Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Ask me! here we are here for you it's another episode of ask eliza anything i feel like i start every episode with it's another episode we already know that that's why you're here we're coming to you hot and live from quarantine divisions with me as always is my isolated baby arm emily higgins hi not always anymore but we're trying we're trying. And uh, I believe we've both been quarantined for long enough that event- that soon you can come back to work. Uh, the- theoretically. Yeah. And in, pra- in tr- and in practice. You know I don't want to get in trouble. With who? You're so weird. The government. Oh, my God. <laughs> First of all, the government doesn't care about you. I'm not Second even supposed all, to go to the store this week. You're not. And I didn't say this week. I, I said just- soon, eventually. Yeah, okay. You're so anti. That's you. You're so anti anything that makes my life easier. I feel like we've been doing pretty well, all things considered. You're not listening to me. I'm saying, like, within the next two weeks, you can come back. Because we've both been quarantined for so long, there's no possible way that either of us have it. Mm. I think people think being around other people is what makes you sick. Not unless those people are sick. And given that I haven't been around anyone, I'm not sick. I just sound congested all the time. Oh, boy. Mm. Well, today's a very special episode of Ask Eliza Anything because we've decided to do it dedicated to the Eliza Schlesinger sketch show. Uh, People are really big fans of it, gotten a lot of love, hoping to get that season two. So if you are listening, please tell your friends to watch, put it on your computer, put it on mute, walk away, let it play through. Let's fuck with that algorithm. But uh, enough of you are fans. Um, Almost uh, uh, a million and a half of you have seen it so far in its first week. So we decided to answer some questions. People want to know how things are made. And it's this is not that podcast, but we're going to answer some questions about the Eliza Schlesinger sketch show. Less questions today about your uh, 20-year-old roommate being kind of a pain, but my mom's an addict. What do I do? So let's get to it. I uh, I have gotten several texts from, from people I know that were like, I'm watching it. It's so good. And I'm like, yeah, I, I know. Slip into your house shoes. <laughs> I own that song now. 
Kick it. So you you mentioned what they can do for a season two. Carol Free Healy, uh, along with about 10 other people, were like, when's the next one coming? What can we expect? Will it be? Can we get longer episodes? Can we get more episodes? I mean, that all depends on the enthusiasm. You know, you do six kind of as a tester. I would love to do more episodes. You don't want to do... You could do longer episodes, but um, I think 20 or 22 minutes is what helps it qualify for an Emmy. And then you don't want to have like one episode that's 60 minutes because then it looks like you didn't know what you were doing. I also think with comedy, brevity is key. I'd rather leave you wanting more than it being like, oh my God, that was so long and so boring. Nothing worse than a boring sketch. We really took the time to... One person who reviewed it, they were like, some sketches went on too long. And I'm like, yeah, you have to have a show. Not everything can be 15-second sketches. So we're always very mindful of editing. I, I hacked out a lot of air when we were editing you this really, show. really, yeah, you were very, very involved in the editing of it. Yeah, I got a scalpel and any extra breath, any extra pause, a great sketch can die because of bad editing. You see it all the time. People that just have no sense of timing and you're like, how did you get this job? Oh, that's right. You're, it's your friend's show. Got it. Right. Anyway. All right. Well, we got several questions I'm going to ask you about the Nectarine sketch. So first, Hit me. Click Kiss Boom says, can you please explain the story behind the concept of the executives and the peaches skit? Okay. First of all, they're nectarines. Right. And we bought up all the nectarines in the area. And so eventually, <laughs> some of them were peaches only because we ran out of nectarines. But they were like uh-huh. fuzzless peaches. Uh, what was the other question? This is so just me setting the record straight. Explain the story behind the concept. Okay. <clears throat> it's actually uh, an ancient story, but the story behind the concept is as follows. A couple years ago, I wrote a show called Forever 31 for a platform, I don't know if it still exists, called ABCD. It was ABC's digital platform. This is when everybody was like racing to compete with Netflix and have their own platform. So yeah. I wrote Forever 31, which was an awesome show. But like most things that are good, the executive, uh, the the platform like folded. They ran out of money, but they didn't. But I had written season two because it was a go before it folded. And mm-hmm. in season two of Forever Thirty One, uh, when Eliza and her friends get their web show picked up by a network, they take a conference call with something called like Integrated Comedy Solutions or some some horrible <laughs> name. And uh, I detail how exhausting a conference call can be. Because the initial joke, when I brought this into the writer's room, I brought in the old sketch that I wrote. And it was just like, everybody is on their speakerphone. Everybody, it's always like, is John in? Oh, we're still waiting for him. And then they try to like, I'll even do it for you now. They try to like make small talk like, so Sally, you're in Santa Barbara. Oh, I love Santa Barbara. Oh, that was this weekend. There's a place I'll have to send you. Um, It's a restaurant. And then you've listened. And then it's like, Hello? Hello. Hey, Tyler. Tyler's on. Oh, I'm just, I'm holding for Tyler. And you're just listening to people's bullshit. Everybody's playing a, a game on the other end. Nobody's actually paying attention. Nobody wants to be there. Even now with Zoom, everybody's got their phone on speaker. Everybody's doing something else. And you're like, can we all just pick up the phone? So it's a nightmare. So we started yeah. talking about that. I think there were nectarines in our writer's room. And oh. I don't know how it evolved to that. But it was supposed to be about how people are just doing insane things on the opposite side of your conference call and you never know. Right. So it's really my frustration with bullshit conference calls. 
Well, and more relevant now than ever as everyone does everything, not just on a conference call, but everything has to be video now. Like calls that were phone before are yeah. now video. And I'm See, not I sure love why. it. I love it. I think it makes it more personal. I think it holds people accountable. Uh, I'll never be the person with the funny background, like LOL. Um, I tried to set one, but in my closet, it didn't work. It works perfectly out in the light. It did. You you, I can tell. You're in a closet. That's your background. No, but so I fun. had set a fun one, but it didn't work in here. That is the fun one. Oh, we're in a closeted work. Woo. Um, so that was it. We shot the nectarine sketch uh, and we really had fun with it. And um, the objective was like, how much nectarine can you eat? How gross can you look? Some people are more comfortable with it than others. Um, That's what Shelby Nick 160 wants to know. How many nectarines did y'all have to eat? So many. And each person had a bucket next to them where you could <laughs> spit it. I mean, I ate the first two nectarines because I love nectarines. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> so we had buckets. We also had art department clean off. We had nectarines for people to eat during the show that week. And then we're like, please leave your pit in this bucket so we can use it. So we didn't waste anything. The initial, the original end of the sketch was that the entire room gets filled with nectarine juice and we're all like floating in it. But uh, budgetary That's approval to, to not allow. Yeah. Yeah. So we just have those hoses at the end. It's no secret that fast fashion and the demand for fashion in general is helping to wreck our planet. While introducing Newly. Newly is a subscription clothing rental service. For just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles each month, access to thousands of styles from more than 400 brands with inclusive sizing. And they have fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning in Newly's state of the art laundering facility, plus the option to buy what you love. I gifted Newly to a friend whose daughter works in an office where you have to be presentable and it's trendy. She gets to try out stuff. She always looks fresh at work. She always looks cute. And when she's done with it, which we usually are after wearing something for a while, she can send it right back. Newly is a great value at $98 a month for any six styles. But right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code ELIZA20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's Newly with two U's. And enter the code ELIZA20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y dot com. Newly with two U's with code ELIZA20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Here's a fun exercise. What would you do if you had an extra hour in your day? I bet you nobody would say, um, I'd spend it thinking about things I can't change. I'd spend it having crippling anxiety. No, you'd say like, I'd go for a run or I'd spend time with my hobby or I'd pet my dog's tongue. A lot of us spend our times wishing we had more time. And the question is, what do you want to make more time for? I bet the answer for a lot of people is your friends, your family, relaxing. Well, therapy can help you clear some space mentally so you can find out what matters to you so you can do more of it. Think about therapy like housekeeping for your brain. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You go to betterhelp.com. And you fill out a brief questionnaire and you can get matched with a licensed therapist. No more driving across town. No more stressing out. BetterHelp makes it easy for you to get the therapy that you would like. Learn how to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Eliza today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Eliza. There was definitely a time where my closet was crammed to the gills with every skort, gaucho pant, crop top I'd worn for the last 20 years. And there comes a time in every adult woman's life where you realize you want less clothing at higher quality. And a great way to do that without breaking the bank is upgrading to high quality, affordable pieces from Quince. 
Now I have a wardrobe of simplistic pared down items, but I like to keep it stocked with key luxury essentials that I know I'll wear time and time again, like 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50. I'm a big fan of their washable stretch silk palazzo pants. I don't have time to be caring for silk like I do my children, so it's nice that I can just wash it, and it's a versatile pair of pants that I can wear out for an evening or just out with friends. The best part is all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash Eliza for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Eliza to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash Eliza. Brian Thunder 106 says, Hey, Eliza and friends, longtime listener, first-time caller. Question one, just how much fun was that nectarine scene? And two, was the scene improvised at all? Thank you. Your sketch show was the exact pick-me-up I was hoping for. All right, answer that. I said it was a lot of fun. But uh, it was, uh, was it improvised or pretty heavily scripted? The lines were scripted, but the lines mm-hmm. also didn't really matter. Like me being like, we'll execute that on the next round of calls. Like what mm-hmm. you're saying while whoever wrote it, I don't know. We had David Sideroff, Joanna Bradley, and Megan Nuringer all awesome comedy writers um phenomenal for that i feel like joanna wrote that one but i could be wrong we that you know we wanted to make sure that it sounded authentic which it did like those are real things you would hear in a meeting which i think is why it strikes a chord with so many people that have like real jobs um but then you know you're improvising a lot of the beats like the throwing of the nectarines i think that was improvised just you know because you kind of get into it uh you can't script like juices drip, three juices yeah. drip down your, so we just went for it. <laughs> they would just put the camera on us and then you just go for it. And a big part of it is you put the camera on someone and everyone else reads their lines and then you're just getting their reaction. So a lot of, it definitely wasn't in there uh, every single beat. So mm-hmm. the lines were less improvised because we were so focused on being as funny as we could eating the, the nectarines. They're, I right. mean, it's so funny. Of all the sketches, that's like the one that was improvised the least because the language was so boring. Right. I think, you know what, the actor who said, I, let's new in Singapore, brother, he might have made that up, and it was so funny. Oh, and his, the way that he says it is very funny. What's new in Singapore, brother? <laughs> that one really uh, caught with people, the nectarine one. Josh Sharp uh, is the actor that did that. I think that was, that he made that up. He was so funny. Every scene he was in, he was funny. Fun fact about the show and the cast, uh, and a fan alerted me to this, my IMDb page, for the Eliza Schlesinger sketch show, somebody was like, why are you not first on your own show? I was like 15th listed and I'm not in any episodes. So it just, it's like, I put the same people that run IMDb and the same people that do Wikipedia, just like random, no one's really paying attention, just weirdos. Ah, but I can change Wikipedia and I cannot change IMDb. I only have so much control. Yeah. So there's that. It's Matt just kind of 50- funny. It's just such a sign from the from the showbiz universe. Like even on your own show on IMDb, I'm listed at like last and not even as a producer. You're like, okay, I'm pretty sure my name's in the title, but okay. I think that was it like we it's been edited. We had somebody do a press request. They sent it to Greg, like asking me to be on their show or something. And they spelled my name like E-L-I-Z-A Scherzinger. And Greg wrote back, you mean Eliza Schlesinger? And they wrote, ah, sorry. When I Googled it, that was what it suggested. I'm like, in all of what? Google. That's what you what? got every time, and you don't take into account any other spelling. I, and here's, how, if you're going to ask how, a celebrity to do anything, spell their name right. Yeah. 
it's such a, it's, I understand like a mistake in an email, but like if you're asking for someone's time and you're like, we'd like to ask Alyssa Scherzinger because we are yeah. big fans. You're like, oh, okay, are you an alien? You see that sometimes with autograph requests, not for you so much, but I've heard about it with other people where they'll be like, I am biggest fan of this person. I love them in random YouTube video. No one saw. And you're like, yes. what? I love her in Excused and season six, Last Comic Standing. You're like, okay. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, man. All right. Kick it. Matt 54 Johnson wants to know, will there be anywhere we can watch an outtake reel or bloopers? I imagine Ooh. those would be hilarious. I love that. Uh, that's a Netflix question and they are secretive and um, I don't know. As of now, no. And I think we left all that on the cutting room floor, but I would love that as well. You know, those are usually reserved for like director's cuts and DVDs. Um, yeah. I could look into it. That's a great idea. Emily, let's make a note. Um, let's make a note. For some blooper fat. But I think it's, you know, when sketch is so funny already. So, like, what are you going to see in that nectarine blooper? Like, me choking on a nectarine like I already am. Um, yeah, I don't know. What are you looking into? That's a great idea. Um, yeah. I remember when I was a kid, my dad, my parents were still married. I guess he left it when they got a divorce. Anyways, it was a VHS of a baseball blooper video called Funny Side Up. And it was just, like, baseball bloopers and that was uh my first exposure to sports comedy funny side up oh he's in the outfield whoa he smashed into the gate now he can't walk now kick it come on emily let's get into these cashew albacore questions let's open up a can of cashew albacore dancer dude 19 asks where did the inspiration for cashew albacore come from i honestly I don't know. I, we were in the writer's room and I used to travel for what was my job. I was a stand-up comedian for many years. Uh, now I'm just at home. Um, I'm just at home taking care of our three chinchillas. Um, and I have this pet peeve about you get on an airline. I don't understand why <clears throat> in the interim between them being like, uh, you know, stand by, check cabin, stand by. We're gonna, I can't even remember what they used to say. Uh, like we're set for takeoff, whatever. In between that and taking off or right after they've reached their cruising altitude, why they don't make their announcements. Sometimes it feels like they wait like 30 minutes. And especially if you're on like a 6 a.m. flight and you're falling asleep, they're like, well, we just want to welcome you. Or like, we welcome you to American Airlines. And it's always loud. It's always long. If you're on Air Canada, it's in French and English. So it's double the length. And it just feels like they wait for you to start to fall asleep. And then they do this big, long, and we've got the Delta One reward card. If you'd like, someone will be coming by if you want to. It's like, we don't. And you have us trapped and we've already paid so much. I understand safety announcements, but like, please, I want to go to sleep. Other pet peeve is when uh, flight attendants talk really loud in the galley. And it's like an early flight. And you're like, everybody's sleeping. You're like, and then I was going to CVS. And you can't ask them like, hey, can you turn your yap down? You banshee. Anyway, so it was about the idea that as you're falling asleep, they always talk. They always make their announcements um, yeah. for a very long time. So it was really more about that. And then it was like, who's like, what if there was a maniac who had their own airline just so they could wake people up? That's where it started. And so, and I went home and I'll never, I was sitting on my couch. I was watching TV and I had my laptop 
And I was just like, what would a maniac who owns an airline sound like? And it just popped in my head. I was like, his name is Cashew Albacore. Are you ready? Because it's time to flu. And it just flowed out of me. That's it. There's nothing. It's not taken from anything. Yes, the outfit that I thought he should wear. I was like, where am I getting this inspiration? And I realized he looks a little bit like the sea captain from The Simpsons, but whatever. Um, And I wanted him to wear women's shoes. He wears like little red women's boots. Uh, There's one shot where he has a catheter, like colostomy bag dragging behind him. I don't know if anybody ever notices that. And I just wanted him to be gross. And he then he just became this weirdo that locks people in rooms. But that's where it came from, just the idea of, like, what if a total psychopath owned an airline just so he could wake people up? <laughs> I mean, it. I remember when you were filming that and seeing the, the pictures of you in that getup. And honestly, you really... Oh. It was a it was a perfect look for you. It's a perfect look. It's one of those outfits that when you put it on, you inhabit the character. Also, it takes three hours to do that makeup. So, like, you better... Squeeze him for every moment that he's worth because it took so long. And the name yeah. Cashew Albacore, I think I have a proclivity for putting together funny word combinations, uh, whether it's to my dog or in my stand-up. And to me, Cashew Albacore, da-da-da-da, like those syllables just flow. Cashew Albacore, that's his name. Can't right. say he's not original. And my showrunner, Kim Gamble, would always say cashew, and I thought that was pretty great. Cashew. Cashew albacore. I'm the man behind the mask. Anyway, A, Amy930, and Lawrence Lestelegger also both asked about Cashew, but I think it's funny that Lawrence said, I was a little freaked out, also a tiny bit high. Have you had, did you have anyone on the streets scared of your Cashew albacore character? I have these videos in my phone, and one of them got erased, and that's the best one. So when they would walk me back from set to the trailers, uh, I just had on, because it was so hot in that outfit, I just had on the turtleneck, full hair and makeup, no hat. So I'm just yeah. this like creepy old man. And I have videos of me walking down the street and I had this little toy with me and every little kid, I'd be like, Merry Christmas. Because you no. look like a chewed up Santa Claus. And it's it, it's in Brooklyn and it's like all these little kids with their parents. And the parents are all immigrants who are probably wary of white people anyway, let alone like a creepy old guy that's like waving at your kid, like, Merry Christmas, give me a dollar, tell me your social security number, I'll give you a dollar. Where's Christmas? And so, and it's funny because some parents just let, I'd be like, come on, give me your hand. And some parents were just like, yeah, go ahead. Like, it was interesting to see which parents were like, yeah, this is New York, we're not afraid of anything. Um, Yeah. And people laugh, you know, I think you could tell it was a bit also because I was walking with a kid who had like a PA wire on him, but right. little kids don't know to be afraid. <laughs> and parents are just like, what is this? What is this yeah. weird old white guy? Give me your Christmas, I'll give you a dollar. Squeaky, squeaky. Gangalangalang. Carlu Cheese says, Cashew Albacore was comedic genius. Of all his appearances, which one was the most fun to act out? Do you Wait, have a favorite? Well- of all of his? Yeah, uh, everything Cashew Albacore did, because you had the, you locked someone in a room. You yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I office, remember. You were on the plane. Okay. Well, it's so uncomfortable. Like, it's so fun. It's kind of like, I would imagine if you were an adult and you went to one of those um, gyms that's all uh, trampolines. Like, it's so fun, but you're so exhausted the whole time. Like, dancing. Yeah. You're like, I'm having so much fun, but I'm so tired. It is, your face is uncomfortable. You can't open your, like, You can't really move your face around. You have a latex bald cap on, so there's no heat escaping from your head. So you're just baking. 
I don't know why. And they're like, you wrote him this way. He has so many layers. Like he has a turtleneck and a leather vest and a sweater and a peacoat. We had to get rid of the peacoat eventually. Um, and then a fat suit under all of it. There's two fat suits and it's on your legs. So it's not, it's always fun. I think, um, hmm. I like the one where he's hitting. I like the locks one because he's mm-hmm. moving around the most. Like on the plane, he can only really be in the aisle. I like the yeah. one where he says he makes locks and he locks people in rooms. Uh, I think that's where he really started to shine because yeah. I really got to improvise with banging my head against the door and all the timing of that and uh, the way that he moved. The screaming for me, that's my like mocking, ex mocking a moment. Like that's, that was me getting to be at my weirdest and grossest, which is all I've ever wanted. Right. So I'd say that one. And then he got to hold that. Oh, the raccoon was from the CEO one. So I think that one. I okay. make locks. Dingle dangle. Old underscore Taylor asks, did Smokey Husky have fun filming with you? Loved the show and loved picking out all the little Easter eggs you left in it for all the super fans. Especially love the Barnstorm reference from your podcast with your dad oh. and the tiny dog songs. For those of you that don't know, um, and I, I think I had my dad on my podcast when I talked about this. When I was little, yes. uh, there was a thing called Blockbuster. And my dad and my brother and I, you know, you go, as with every suburban family, you go pick out a movie on a Friday. And my dad would always say to my brother, we're going to rent Barnstorm. It's a made-up movie series. Uh, it doesn't exist. And my brother, every time, would fall for it. He'd be like, I don't want to watch Barnstorm. And it became a joke in our family. Like, we're getting Barnstorm 4, The Reckoning. Barnstorm 6, The Return of the Resilience. Like, just these fake titles. And Ben would always, you know, as a little kid, think, no, I don't want to get Barnstorm. So it became a thing in our family. And so when I came time to naming... Uh, one of the political opponents in this, I gave him the name Frank Barnstorm. It's just a nod to the comedy of my youth and my father. Uh, what was the question? Did Smokey oh, yeah, the have fun filming with you? I think he had fun. He's downstairs. I could ask him, but I'll answer for him in true wifely fashion. We had fun. I mean, he loves New York and Brooklyn. He spent his days going around eating pizza, doing cookbook stuff uh, and chef stuff. So I think he had fun being on set. You know, it was, I maintain a very casual set, you know? And so it's long days, but they're fun. Everybody was in a good mood. Uh, he had, he did two very sweet things. He came with me to New York to help me move into my apartment and like get me all set up. I had never lived in New York before and he had, not that it requires like a medical license, but you know, get you set up, get your, your groceries. Uh, and then he came after because we were going to take a little drive through upstate New York and Vermont because I had a gig in upstate New York. So that was like our little week break. So mm-hmm. he came to see me off and take me home. And uh, I think he had a nice time. I don't, he doesn't seek fame and attention in the way that comedians do, but you know, you get a little paycheck, you get to be in the show, you get to, people get to see your pretty blue eyes. Double Easter egg. I call him Bo in the show when he gets his high five. Bo is the name of Noah's mother's dog. A tiny white dog named Bo, who, fun fact, was Blanche's boyfriend and loved her very much, even though he was much smaller than her. And he was with her when she died. Nancy so came small. home and Bo was just sitting there with his tiny little butthole. He's so tiny. Anyway, he's got a tiny butthole. Um, so I call him Bo as a nod to my mother-in-law. Get, get. All right. Well, related to the other well, part of the question. What's my answer going to be? No, my husband hated it. He doesn't support me or comedy or New York. He was miserable. Well, 
It was weird, probably, for him to have the the husband and wife sketch has a um, a can fake I, him. Can I tell you something? So his name is Matt Delapina, who was so lovely, so fun to have yeah. on set. We cast someone who had like a similar look. Like Noah's got kind of deep set eyes. They're both kind of darker Italian looking. Mm-hmm. Noah, having nothing to do with Matt, doesn't like the sketch. He doesn't like seeing another man's face superimposed on his body. At the top of Husband and Wife, we used all real pictures from our life, from our engagement and just being together and our life. And Noah kind of bristles at it. Super supportive when I had sex with Mark Wahlberg in a movie. Super supportive when I had to kiss someone in the other movie I just did. Doesn't say anything. But that's the only time I've seen him kind of puff up and be like, I don't like it. And I think it's very cute. Very cute. She sees a million stars, asks, what was your favorite Easter egg you put in for the fans? This person also noticed the barnstorm and enjoyed it. Uh, You know what? I don't know if it's my favorite, but it's one that nobody's noticed. Cashew Albacore's um, captain hat, as well as I think the captain hat on that stuffed raccoon has what looks like a raccoon, but the art department made, it's actually Blanche in a little crest. Uh, I actually have it here. I'll show it to you on Zoom. It's this. Oh. Yeah. Okay, take take a picture of that and send it to me and we'll put it up with the episode. So everybody listening to this isn't devastated. There's Frank Barnstorm. Yeah, I think the most, aside from Bo, which no one would know because no one knows Noah's mom's dog's name, but now they do. Yeah. Uh, it's the crest of Blanche's face on Cashew Albacore's hat. Blanche had been gone for a couple months, and I still rep super hard for her and her tiny little body. Um, so it's probably that one. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that aside one- from, like, sticking, like, Shallon. It's a good friend of mine that has, she has a YouTube show where she talks about celebrities and breaks down the psychology of celebrities. She's in the It's Nell sketch about the girl who never been to the restaurant. She um, was on this podcast. She was on this podcast. But that's not an Easter egg as much as a whole human. No, because you are you had a lot of friends. Your friend Kate. Friend Kate Hendricks is in it. Yeah, like I don't, I, you know, look, we didn't have this massive Hunter. budget. We didn't have celebrities like dying to be on the show. So I put my friends in. And by the way, uh, Hunter was already in New York. He flew himself there. My mom flew herself there. My aunt lives in New York. Jody flew herself there. You know, you're, you're real. People really made an effort to be in this, and it was really nice. It was really nice to be able to count on those people. Kick it. I didn't find myself there. I'm sorry. You're like a house cat. It's like having a house cat isn't a sitting like, I better stay in the closet. Sit here and record my pun. I'm saying that because she's in a physical closet right now. I am. I'm in All the right. closet. Lau underscore wed. How much of the husband-wife sketches are based on your actual relationship? These are hilarious and seem like a more realistic representation of marriage slash long-term relationship than the girls who pretend that they don't. You know, I think there are girls that are super girly and we all have our limits. Like I always make Noah turn around if I'm shaving my armpits in the shower. You know, like I would never take a dump in front of him. That's so gross. Um, Everybody's got their different comfort levels and whatever works for you is fine. Uh, I think this sketch was based on the basketball shorts thing because I have a joke about like him being like, please don't wear basketball shorts to bed. I'm not saying please, but like it's not being turned on by it. I don't know. And I, we just started talking about all those shows like sister wives. And then somebody said husband wives. Uh, So a little bit like the essence of it, but Going out of your way to be a gross out. I find myself sometimes burping in front of him. And he's like, if I ever burped in front of you, I'm like, oh, we would be divorced. But I'm starting from a daintier, lovelier place. 
so it's okay. Whereas he's already a dude, so he's already at maximum grossness. Um, but he's not. He's not a gross man. He's like a very conscientious. He's not a gross man, but he needed my help. Like when I met him, he was like kind of a stinky hippie, you know. And I was like, "What are you using for deodorant? Just like rubbing rocks on your armpits?" Just boys are a little like you're either super into it or you're less in tune with. It. He wasn't gross by any means, but I was like, you know, maybe you don't be a stinky hippie man. You come into bed. Um, fruit punch. That one was not mine. That one is courtesy of Laura Murphy, our director, who is from Rhinebeck, New York, so upstate. And she was like, we used to say you want fruit punch and then you take a, an old piece of fruit and you punch it. And so it looks easy. It was actually very difficult to line up. And we had to score all the fruit so that it would explode when we punched it. That sequence is actually a lot longer. Uh, we had to edit it down because I just sat there pelting him with fruit. Right. Um, and fun fact, <clears throat> When we initially shot it, and there's that shot where I pull his pants down, I'm like, put your butt away. I accidentally grabbed his underwear. His underwear? I, I just grabbed, because you run up, and I grabbed his yeah. underwear, and I pulled, because he was wearing, like, pajama pants, and I pulled it down, and he was, and I didn't see anything, because I also run out of frame. We weren't rolling the cameras at the time, but, like, everything was out, and he was <gasps> such a pro about it. Oh. He's like, it's cool, and I felt so bad, because... It doesn't matter if you're a guy or a girl. Like, that's still your naked body. You're still at work. Yeah. But there was definitely one take where, like, full-on button peen out flapping in the breeze. Um, so, yeah. One of the takes, we have me doing that, and then I fall out of frame, and I just go, ow, ow. And he's like, oh, let me help you up, which happens. Like, me being an idiot to Noah, and then I hurt myself. And he's like, all right, what happened to you? You're like, help me. People. People are experiencing that more and more watching your Don't Panic Pantry. Mm -hmm. I think I fell the other day. Anyway, we're all just trying to get through this quarantine. There are a lot of people who speak Spanish in my life, and they're teaching my daughter Spanish. And quite frankly, I want to keep up. Yes, I took Spanish in school, but I want my Spanish to get better. I don't want it to just be bueno. I want it to be muy bueno. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program. Choose from one of 25 languages like Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, and Polish. Fast track your language acquisition with immersive lessons designed to teach you to pick up languages in a natural way. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's true accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. So you sound like a local, not an Android. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Rosetta Stone is convenient and can be used on desktop or as an app with audio companion and ability to download lessons offline. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Ask Eliza Anything listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash Eliza. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash Eliza today. Safe to say everybody loves bread, but everybody doesn't eat bread as often as they would like to because of bread guilt, right? Health concerns, carb fear mongering. I mean, if we could, we would eat toast sandwiches made of toast, nice layer of sandwich bread on the top, toast in the middle, and wash it down with a nice glass of bread. Hero Bread makes those same delicious favorites free of consequences or compromises. You should feel good when you eat bread. Hero Bread has zero to one grams of net carbs, zero grams of sugar, and it's high in fiber, which is what you want. Hero Bread is delicious and flavorful, and it's soft and it's fluffy, so it puts you right back there, you know, years ago, eating your favorite sandwich before we were afraid of wheat. 
And they have something for everyone. They have sliced bread loaves. They have buns. They have tortillas. Don't give up on being a breadhead. Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use code ELIZA at checkout. That's ELIZA at H-E-R-O dot C-O. Hurry and get 10% off your order when you use ELIZA at H-E-R-O dot C-O. Chelsea Ray Emma asks, what inspired Kip Wazel? The accent is spot on, not to mention the way you flubbed up your audition lines in colloquial colloquiums. Thank For you. reference, I have several Aussie coworkers and you sound just like them. It's always Bur- a thing. Wait, where- hold on. More. What? Hashtag birthers. P.S. Birthers. Did you use a coach for the accent or just watch a lot of Steve Irwin videos? Very funny. Uh, super out of date reference, but very funny. <laughs> Do I, I pick like the one guy who's dead versus any other Australian. Um, oh my God. She said Steve Irwin was dead. How could she? Uh, fun fact. Uh, I did not write Kip Wazel. One of the writers brought that in. Like a fully formed idea. And I was like, I can do an Australian accent. So I don't know where they came up with it, but we loved it immediately. And I didn't have was an that accent. that Joanna? It might have been Joanna Bradley. I didn't have uh, an accent coach because I have an idea of how to do it. We do have a line in there that we cut out where the person, the producer goes, are you South African or Australian? <laughs> and she just goes, Yes. Because the accent, <laughs> depending on who you ask, you know, there's always the people that are like accent snobs that are like, mm, not really. And you're like, eh, it's pretty good. I, I take pretty, I take pride in doing a decent accent um, yeah. and having like a mindful difference of that versus like New Zealand. Some people think it sounds like New Zealand. Th- those two, it's a squeakier Australian, whatever. I called my friend Waz, who's Australian, and I read it to him just to make sure it sounded mm-hmm. okay. And uh, he gave me the okay. He's like, it's good enough. Like, I'm not trying to assimilate. (laughs) I'm not trying to, like, blend in. Uh, Birthers was an improvised line. Um, I had a cold that day. So I was just, like, trying to get through it. But uh, she was a lot of fun to do. And it's this, you know, having this really earnest character. It reminded me of The Office, but just having this really earnest character who's really trying to do her best. Like, the more honest and earnest and innocent the character is the I think the easier it is to improvise we had a whole um props improvisation where because there's a one like she's like I've got a hat Michael Jackson and then like she had a fan she's like I'm in the old west tuberculosis or um she has a gun and she's like forget about it just like all the so just different props and we were like it goes on for too long um and then I fall on that table we had to bring in a real stunt coordinator (laughs) <laughs> not only for the breakaway stubby, but for falling on that table. Like you have to brace yourself. You have to stand in a certain way. And it was, and I was wearing a, I was actually wearing a back brace. You don't see it yeah. like to support my back because even though it was only a few inches, like it really was uncomfortable. I don't yeah. know how some people do. I only fell a foot off the ground and it knocked the wind out of me. Uh, and I yeah. didn't want to do it again. So that is a real reaction where I'm just like, uh, like, cause you for a second, you're like, did I hurt anything? It was, right. and also being sick and doing that was brutal. But, uh, yeah, Bertha's ground the pelvic floor. Kip yeah. Wazel is tied for my favorite sketch. Me personally, Emily, not the question askers. I really enjoyed being her. That hair <laughs> changes everything. Well, that sounds more South African. Everything. <laughs> everything. Everything. Sabrina Villa Escusa says, Hey, Eliza. It's I pronounced love the Australian. Via Escusa. I don't know. I don't <laughs> there know. There you go. 
I love the Australian actor bit. I was wondering if you've done some martial arts before because you had great form on those kicks. I'm looking I really forward to seeing did. you perform in Phoenix. Thank you. It's probably never going to happen. Uh, I, I really will. don't say that. No, I know. I will. Uh, we've already rescheduled. I really did. I look back at that and I'm like, I look like a kickboxer. Um, <laughs> no, I've never done any martial arts, but I do enjoy fake fighting and I'm decently athletic for a comedian. Um, mm-hmm. Pretty good sense of what my body can do and work out. So, yeah, I think it's just from over the years watching action movies and not wanting to look bad. Uh, I was pretty proud of that. I'll be honest. I don't know where that came from that day, but I was able, but I did it. Maybe it's wearing like the tank top and the boots and the and the cargo pants, the hallmark of any true self-trained martial artist. <laughs> Unitist. Thank you for noticing. And now I sound like I'm from Liverpool. Thanks you for sound noticing. like Ringo Starr. Yeah. Thanks for noticing, love. <laughs> Lore Star asks, which sketch did you do that you kept breaking out of character because you were laughing so hard? Oh, God. Were there any or are you just a pro? Um, I laughed really hard at in the nectarine one because what you're doing is so weird. It's not lines you're delivering. You're just like eating nectarines and trying not to choke. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to think of laughing at all. Hmm. So there's so many tiny ones. And then there's so mm-hmm. many little sketches. I don't know about laughing. Also, by the time you do this, you've read these sketches so many times. So it's yeah. not about laughing. You're just like, is this funny? Is anyone going to laugh? Uh, I liked doing Cashew Albacore. I enjoyed doing... This is the breakout hit of the whole series was Make It Nice. Yeah. I enjoyed tying a ribbon around... I enjoyed you know, that one. You have Sorry. emojis on your phone for a potato and a ribbon. Oh, you FYI. know. Oh, yes, I do. You know which one I enjoyed? The, I laughed at the hardest. Um, so in All the Tiny Dogs, the we call him Grizzled Music Man. That's like, you gotta, the world's gotta hear this nonsense. Uh, his name is Will Chase. He's a great actor. And he was so sincere in the part. He and I could not stop laughing when he brings me in to his golden retriever. He's like, this is Buddy. And I'm like, oh, hi. And, I, and I'm making up a gibberish song. And here's this like perfectly trained golden retriever. And I'm like, you've got a thick paw. These are things I would sing to my dog in front of all these cameramen and lighting people and the trainer and him. And I'm going to take it seriously. But every time he had to say, you write that, we would die laughing when he's like, the world needs to hear this nonsense that you sing. Because he's saying it with such a straight face and just asking, did you write that? To like, yeah. you've got a thick paw. And you know it's true. Um, I definitely spit into his face laughing at him so many because we're so close to each other. I felt very bad. It was really hard uh, be, to be in a scene. It's one thing to sing gibberish about your dog, but to sing it with somebody who has to take it very seriously. Yeah. I laughed at that a lot. So uh, that's probably the scene that I remember breaking out laughing the most in. Now shake well, that thick body. Shake that thick body. It was a thick golden retriever. It was. The the opposite of that emotion, Libra underscore like underscore Izzy asks, was it emotional for you to sing Blanche songs to a dog that wasn't Blanche for the sketch? You know, it was a little sad that Pomeranian, Ginger the Pomeranian, was so cute. Of course, it wasn't mm-hmm. Blanche. Also, that dog takes commands in Portuguese, so we did not understand <laughs> each other. But the owner did feed her a lot of cheese. Um I opted to actually cry. There is a moment, it's barely in the sketch, where I'm at the grave after Ginger dies. Yeah. Or after Pan Pan dies. Pan Pan was the name that I wanted to give Blanche before I met her. I was like, I want to have a dog and name it Pan Pan. 
right. but then I met Blanche. I'm like, you're not a pan pan. I am actually crying. Uh, it's a very quick shot. I'm actually crying. Is that crying. when you have the mascara? The mascara running. I thought, because you don't know what that moment is going to be until you get in the edit bay, and you don't know if it's going to be longer in the trailer. It's already a long trailer. So I yeah. opted, you know, I'm not a method actor, but I, I was like, in case this has to look like tears, I'd rather it do that. So I did cry just to kind of yeah. get into it. I missed her so much. But if you can read the gravestone, it says, like, here lies Pan Pan. I think it says, like, a face and a head and the body and the legs. And I think it's so funny because that's like a face and the head and the body and the legs. Like, what else is a dog made of? Yeah. Uh, I'm actually crying in that. And I'm actually crying in the other part of the trailer where I'm trashing the room and I throw something at the... I thought that was going to be a longer moment as well. We yeah. did this beautiful shot above me. I'm laying on the couch and I'm crying. And it's just the tears are running down and the camera's right above. And we ended up not using it. But I was actually crying. Um, <laughs> and I'm also actually crying... At the end, uh, in the sketch about like most grounded talent, where I'm holding my face back and I'm like, "Oh no!" And I'm like, "I'm like, I just try so hard and I don't understand." Beautiful. Kate is in the background trying her best. She was laughing. I was like, "Dude, get it together." She's like biting her cheeks, trying not to laugh, but I was actually crying um, because I wanted it to look real. You know what? Yeah, are we your doing? Kate played your manager. Yeah, she was sketch. trying to keep it together. Um, but yeah, I was actually, I made myself cry for that one too. So, you know, some real acting here. Oh man. There you go. Casey Moore asks, how, if at all, was your writing process different for the sketch show versus stand-up? Well, stand-up's more like a stream of consciousness and I don't actually write. I write, quote unquote, on stage. So I come up with a concept and I talk it out. Uh, what this is different also, you know, it's a, an act of collaboration. You read your sketches that you write alone to the writer's room. And then you kind of talk about where you can make it better. Sometimes you'll give your sketch to someone, they'll punch it up, whatever. So, um, but of course I'm the executive producer. So if I don't want to do something, but you know, you also surround yourself with these people that are more experienced than you and have different takes because you trust their opinion. So sometimes you take them, sometimes you don't, you have to be the decider for that. Um, so it's much more collaborative Stand up, It's just, nobody ever gives me anything tags or anything for that. Um, and if they did, I probably wouldn't trust them because it's your voice. You have to be precious about it. Uh, but yeah, there's that. A little bit more collaborative. Sometimes I'll take someone else's sketch. I'll be like, can I just have the other half of this? I'll go write it. So one is one is isolated, one's collaborative. It's the opposite you of collaborative. You had a great team, too. I did. Because you had, you had Kim Gamble as your showrunner, who was the showrunner on your Freeform talk show. You had Laura Murphy as your director. You had Megan and Joanna and David. And then you yeah. had Molly Berg as your writer's assistant. And Molly Kara Berg, I mean, as your producer. I mean, these are all people who understand comedy. I mean, yourself yeah. included. But I didn't want, first of all, we're not doing, we're only doing six episodes. And we weren't, we did write a lot of sketches. We could have just done three yeah. sketches an episode. We wrote a lot of sketches because I wanted it to be like you were watching a channel. And mm -hmm. so it's, and you know, you're clicking around and stuff like that. I wanted the best parts of the sketch. I didn't want to have to write the end to something if it didn't need one. Um, mm -hmm. And having a giant writer's room, you know, for a sitcom, I understand that. But the key is not to just get as many writers as possible. I also am a writer and understand my voice and comedy, I think, pretty well. So it's getting people that can support you. And fun fact about the way that we chose our writer's room, you know, I want the best writers. I don't care what they look like. I don't care what gender, I don't care. So to uh, help 
I guess when I had, when people submitted writing packets, cause that's what you do. You want to be on a show. If you have representation, you either write samples or you send in things that you've written or you mm-hmm. write things for that person. It's called a spec script, but in this case it would just be like a spec sketch. Um, and some people were lazy. They're like, here's a pilot I wrote. I'm like, I'm not reading your fucking pilot. Like these are sketches. It's a different no. thing. Um, everybody, we had about 28 packets submitted. I, Molly, I had her take the names off of the packets. That mm-hmm. way, when, I, and we had all different kinds of people submit because, you know, different people are, I mean, we pull from a lot of uh, agents and managers. What, that way, when I read the sketch, I had no idea. I was not informed the color of the person writing it, the gender, you can sometimes take a stab Religious at the religion. I had nothing. I yeah. only had what was on the page. Of course, I ended up with uh, three Jews at the end. Um, mm-hmm. No, but I, you know, that's a joke, but it's true. I mean, they were Jewish, but that's irrelevant. I think Joanne is like half Jewish. Um, but I did it based on that. And I ended up with uh, two girls and a guy. One of them's gay. We don't have to go into it. But it really was merit-based. I went off of you know, how funny is your sketch? I also, you know, when you look at something, I go by, I, I remember when we were doing uh, Truth and Eliza, people submitted packets that had typos. And I'm like, if you don't have the wherewithal to send me something polished and respect mm-hmm. my time, I'm not going to read your thing. Um, yeah. And if you just send me something, you know, some people submitted things that they had written and they were like half-assed, you can tell, but I read everything. And uh, that's what we ended up with. I did it in yeah. the most egalitarian way. People were, they were picked based on their merit. Um, well, as someone who lurked around outside the writer's room, you guys not only worked so well together and got so much done and wrote so much, but you had what seemed like a great time every day together. I think that's also the key. And anybody that's ever been on a show, you want to want, I mean, nobody loves going into an office, but like, I believe it starts from the top down. Any set, any, if it's your show, you're responsible for the tone. So saying to your writers, like, you can't check your phones and everyone's got to be here at nine. You know, it was super casual. If you wanted to go home and write your sketch after you came in, you could do that. I just wanted the, I'm really outcome oriented when it comes to comedy. I don't care how we get there. And I Mm -hmm. liked hanging out with them. I liked joking around with them. And the second we were done joking, we'd all go off and write our sketches. Um, Mm -hmm. And I didn't have to be there. That's the other thing. When you're given a show, you know, I could be like, write me a show. I'll see you guys there. But I wanted to put my stamp on it. Every sketch went through me, everything. You know, it was super collaborative. And I took mm-hmm. pride in it. And uh, hopefully it matters when we get a season two. But we had a lot right. of fun. They were great. Samantha and all the while, everybody was, by the way, all the while, everyone was like leaving to go pitch other shows. I mean, that's the way it is when yeah. you're, you know, you're doing eight other shows. But I'd like to, I hope they had fun because I had fun with them. I think so. Several of them also were like, like Kate moved to Los Angeles for this. One of them did. Did only one of them? Yeah, well, I think Joanne has a house there and David did. So it was awesome. Yeah, we hired them and David was there that week. Yeah. Met them. Some people you meet. Uh, we also took a bunch of writers' meetings, you know, and you got to make sure you're going to you, – you, you'd have to be a total fucking sociopath to bomb an intro, like a writers' meeting. Like for me to hate you yeah. that much. Everybody we met was super nice and then it just came down to who's got the best sketches, who seems yeah. like they'll be the best fit. Yeah, I mean, I think those people all fit with the kind of absurdist sketch that you like to do. They were great. Samantha underscore Marie underscore 95 wants to know, what did you learn from making a sketch show? Is there anything in particular? Ooh, what did I learn? I mean, it is so different from what you do normally. It is, and I don't know if I learned it as much as it was just clear and present and reinforced how much work 
goes into these. And of course you offer it up to the comedy gods and people can be like, it sucks, don't like it, LOL, watched it while I was high. And it's not for them to talk about how much work goes into, I mean, for you as the consumer to care. But like yeah. this idea, and this hit me over and over, like you come up with this goofy idea and there is a costume department, there's props, hair, makeup, having me meeting after meeting about how do we execute this weird idea. Cashew albacore, makeup had to go get prosthetics. Wardrobe had to pick several types of sweater for me to pick from. Every character, no matter how small, you have to do a fitting for it. You have to pick a wig. You have to pick hair. You have to pick makeup. You have to decide what does this look like. And sometimes you're like, oh, I only thought about the fact that they had, you know, giant purple lips. And it's like, well, we need the rest of it. What's everyone else going to wear? Like there's thought that goes into it. And if you don't put thought into it, it looks unfinished. Uh, mm -hmm. The Bielsa bubbly sketch, which I fought so hard for, and not one person has written me about it, which is fine. It's an old, it's a, it's a sketch I've been wanting to do for a while. Um, we had multiple capes that that demon was going to wear. And that day, and it's weird too, because you see something so clearly in your head and then you get to set and they don't have anything like that. And in your head, you're like, oh, well, oh, I thought it was obvious she'd have long stringy hair. And they're like, nope, we didn't get you a wig for that. If you don't specify it in the script, nobody knows that the potato ribbon's supposed to be green because you thought of that. Nobody, everybody, and our department has their own interpretations of stuff. So it's about, it is crazy how many moving parts there are. And you come up with the weirdest little thing. Like for the girl that had never been to a restaurant, we had to have somebody make all that fake food that we smashed. We had to get breakaway dishes. We had to rent out a restaurant. We had to hire fake kitchen staff for that one moment she runs into the kitchen and drinks water from the faucet. Yeah. These things don't happen organically and it's not lost on me how many people, and especially the crew, you know, we did the whole sketch about being humble, put in that work. They are there hours before you get there in the morning mm -hmm. and they are there hours after you're gone, uh, all to enable this insanity. And so the least you can do as talent is be in a good mood and make people happy that they have that job. But the amount of orchestration it's mind-blowing, even for a show that doesn't have a huge budget. Well, back to Beelzebubly. Uh -huh. um, my, I got a shirt. You guys got a couple shirts as part of the Rav gift. And I, I was friends with the guys who worked there and they Whoa. gave me one. You and weren't I supposed to home. get one. You weren't supposed I to get one. I got one. I wore it home. My mom really wanted it. So I gave her my elder millennial shirt in trade. And wow. she says she's been wearing it to bed every night this week. And it's her Aww. favorite shirt. A lot, so. of, a lot of hellfire in my yeah. merch. Oh, I love it that. It really is. Because I, yeah. I said, I was like, I want to keep this shirt, but I have a similar vibe shirt for you. Um, That's very funny. Yeah, I guess those are. The Forever Tour shirts, which we were just getting going with, are totally similar vibe in that it's like spooky, but different color palette. A different, very different palette. I think they're the best ones. Yeah, actually, no. Elder Millennial was pretty lit. These are pretty nice, right now. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so we have Jet Setter underscore Molly, Iris Toth, and that one Wookiee all asked, were there any sketches that you loved that did not make the final cut? Uh, I will say that Make It Nice, I really enjoyed doing because I was channeling a lot of the, like, teachers from the Dallas area in the 90s, just that sort of quiet, mm -hmm. like, there's, like, a certain vibe. I don't understand. Everybody loves that sketch, and mm -hmm. I love that they love it. 
but from the second we were editing it, my manager was like, I love the potato sketch. Everyone in my office loves it. And I'm like, I don't, I mean, sure. In my mind, there were so many others that had higher production value and were written better and people love it. And it's so funny to me because you can, you never know what's going to be a hit. That being said, I knew ripped fat dudes would be a hit. And Mm -hmm. uh, that was one of my favorite ones. I loved being Ellen Plebbles and doing the ripped (laughs) fat dude sketch. That one was a labor of love. Um, but like Hervichner, the one where it's me and there's a Norwegian actress. I actually have her name yes. on here. Her name is Anne Winsland. Uh, we're speaking Norwegian. Like uh-huh. I am speak, I am saying Norwegian lines and I think it looks like a Norwegian show. It has that like Nordic yeah. look. Nobody's ever mentioned it, but I am speaking Somebody- Norwegian to her. Somebody commented, and I swear it wasn't on Ask Eliza, it was either on your feed or on one of your Don't Panic Pantries, and they said something about how your Icelandic was good and asked whether it's not you can say anything in Icelandic. It's Norwegian. It Sorry. Norwegian. Can you still say anything in Norwegian? Yeah, I can. Pippinman means my boob. And, um, oh, fuck, I had it. Hold on. Pippinman and, uh, hold on, I have to remember it now. There's three of them. Du spisas la krisen min. Something about La Crescent Min is like my licorice. Mm-hmm. Uh, something about the winters being. I can't remember it now. Okay. Oh, Google Translate. Um, <laughs> that was very funny. Yeah. Laura.t.marcaro asks, who chose the theme song by Small Pools and how does the process of choosing a theme song work? It works like this. I was a fan of Small Pools. Hunter one day in the car played them and I was like, I like this. And then I became obsessed. I listened to them all the time for like a year. And mm-hmm. then one day, Hunter and I, I think we were in like the Philadelphia airport. I don't know. It was like 6 a.m. We were walking through the airport exhausted and I see this guy and I go, oh my God, Small Pools. And I recognize him. There's three members of Small Pools. And this guy's name is Mike. Yeah. I didn't know anyone's name, but I just knew his face. I go, you're right. in Small Pools. And I love Small Pools. And he looks at me. He goes, you're Eliza Schlesinger. And like the odds, <laughs> like I'm famous, but I'm not that famous. And the odds of them knowing who I am. And, you know, I meet fans after shows and people always want hugs. And I've never, I've met a lot of celebrities and I've never felt the need for a hug because their music has touched me so much. I was like, can I have a hug? And he was like, yeah. And we started following each other on social media. And so when it came time for uh, a theme song, you know, your theme song sets the tone. And I wanted a fun, like, get ready. This is going to be a wild ride, you know. Uh, I wanted that vibe for the theme song. And so I just reached out and I was like, would you guys want to write a song? I had no notes. I was like, just make something cool because I like all their music. And they sent me that. And in a million years, I never thought the song would sound like that, but I was into it. And so it was a chance to work with a band I like, and we got a great song. It's called Play Pretend, and you can get it now wherever you get music. Slip into your whole shoes. It's a great song. Pretend, really good. pretend. Uh-uh. It's great. Uh-uh. Rachel Kathleen asks, what do you personally believe is the right thing to say when someone knocks on the bathroom door when you're in there? Let me think. It have to be. You have to knock, and then I'll see what comes out. Do it. Give a knock. Okay. Occupado. Occupado. <laughs> it is something. You know what? That was a sketch I hadn't seen because I'd been in some of the edits and I'd seen some of the finished episodes. That was one I had never seen, and I watched it for the first time when just watching the full show on Netflix. And it's so 
good because you truly, you. you don't know where you're, it happens yeah. and then something just comes out of you and you don't know where it came from and it's never the same thing. It's always like a different, sometimes it's just like a sound. Because you don't want to say, yeah, because you're not trying to have a conversation. Like, what do you want? Because you know what they want. Right. So I think just, sorry. I think sorry is good. I think, That's disarming. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Um, so somebody's in here. How about, how about they not send help? <laughs> help me. Um, um Amparo I, underscore M underscore Randall. Wait, My can I just say, by the gorgeous. way, I have like oh, a big strawberry blonde, like reddish wig in that, and I don't hate the way I look in that wig. Just putting that out there. I that was the screenshot for you on Netflix. Because Netflix picks its screenshots based on based the person on, viewing. No, they pick it True, based no. on whatever will be worse if you for you. Look at, no, there will be movies that are just all dudes and like one actress over 40. And that will be shown to me on my Netflix because Netflix knows what I like. Yeah. They'll play. It'll be like, what's a no, I know. time in Hollywood? They so, take multiple ones because it's always changing up because they want you to, they want to fool you if you didn't watch it. And then you're like, yeah. oh, wow, there's gumballs in this show. I love gumballs. And I feel like I've gotten Carol Burgess a couple of times. They're like, this is what you like. Oh, that's so funny. Um, surprised you don't get AA for self-esteem because, like, the women are all sweaty and they're all together. <laughs> yeah, they're in a basement. Yeah. Basement. All right. Amparo um, underscore M underscore Randall. My question is for your gorgeous mom. How does she keep her arms so toned? My mom I just thought we should have this in here for posterity. Yeah, mom, just so you know, uh, my mom looked great in that sketch and it was fun seeing how much we looked alike at the end of like the makeover. Um, she plays a People lot of tennis. People really noticed. Yeah, my mom plays a lot of tennis and she's a naturally thin woman. She's just got great genetics. So yeah. fingers crossed for me, but she plays a lot of tennis. And that's the answer. I like doing that sketch. I liked wearing that outfit. Uh, I'm surprised it didn't make a bigger splash than it did. We did find that jumper and we had the sides cut out to like really yeah. let my skin stick out. Even my father said, as your father, it was really uncomfortable for me to look at you in that outfit. <laughs> I felt uncomfortable. <laughs> I was uncomfortable, but it was so funny. And I now know that dark hair with red undertones is not my color. No, but that's I'm okay. Laura. Blue Eyed Breeze says, did you keep anything from the show as a souvenir? Please tell me you still have the Power Suit Blanket. I don't have Power Suit Blanket, but you know what I did keep because it was really expensive and I probably should, they, they gave it to me and it was like a secret. The wig yeah. from It's Nell, oh, from the girl yes. who's never been to a restaurant. The long brown wig. I actually really liked the color of it and I liked how long it was. My hair will never be that long. And it was like in my bag one day. And, like, Rob, yeah. our hair guy, just kind of, like, slipped it to me. So I have that wig sitting on a styrofoam head, and it freaked out my husband when he walked in the closet the first time because it's just a head. I uh, remember that came in the mail. It was organized through me. Yes. And I was told to set it up somewhere scary. And I was like, uh, I don't really want to give her a heart attack and put it, like, in her bed. Oh, it's like so the I end just, of seven. Like, you just open up a box <laughs> and there's a head in there. Yeah, so I just set it on its little fake head, the hair on its little mannequin head. Yeah, it is scary to see it. on a counter. Um, I kept the wig. I'm trying to think if I kept any. All the nails were fake. You didn't keep power suit blanket. I mean, I if you notice, every time you FaceTime me while we work remotely, I have a slanket on because I'm cold. No, I, I can't see your whole body, so I assume it's just a blanket. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think if we kept... No, you kept because your patch... My patch? 
that we're going to put a picture up of. Oh, the, I kept the patch. The hat patch, yeah. I think all the clothes needed to go back or go back to some sort of wardrobe thing or someone owned them. And, you know, you don't want to wear your costumes. And then all the jewelry is like Claire's, like 18 earrings to a card. So you don't, I mean, if I accidentally yeah. absconded with something in my ears. Uh, yeah, that's it though. I tried not, yeah. I mean, I have so much stuff in life. So I try to not take anything. Um I was sick for a little bit of the show, so I definitely kept a bunch of tea. It was given to me. It's given to you. Yeah. I did a lot of reading while I was on set, so I bought a lot of books that I brought home from Brooklyn. Some terrible, mm-hmm. some okay. Don't ask me for recommendations. I don't want to tell you which ones are bad. Um, and the memories, of course. I keep the memories. Oh and the show God. is my souvenir. Regal Beagle 78. Love the show. Hope you make more episodes. Why do they reference Tragus so much? Whoa. <laughs> You know, I think the hallmark of any good inside joke sketch show is having the thing that is your thing, you know, on um, like Tim and Eric, they have Cinco. Like it's like a fake company that parents everything. And I... Quentin Tarantino does that too. He has the red apple cigarettes. Yeah. And I think that um, it's part of creating a world and also taking some, like the idea of taking corporations seriously is a very funny thing. Uh, And Mm -hmm. sketches are always making fun of those. I got uh, part of my ear pierced a couple of years ago on my birthday. And the part of my ear that got pierced was, I think, the tragus. Think Didn't this- we decide Hold it was on. something else? I feel yeah. like we've discussed this on the podcast two or three times and we never remember. Hold on. <laughs> I got it right here. Pulling but you up an like ear the poster. word. I just think, here, what do we have? You used it- to say it on the podcast all the yeah. time before Here's what the it sketch is. show. The parts of your ear... I mean, it is such a small part and, and it's all basically your ear. The names for the different parts of your ear are so severe and they all sound like they've come from like an alien car manual. Like Tragus, Daith, Anti-Tragus, Conch, Orbital, Snug, Interconch, Industrial, Helix, Forward Helix. And the names are just so intense for these teeny tiny folds. Uh, you're right. Yeah. I don't have my Tragus pierced. I have my Forward Helix pierced. Almost date. For a little bit, we thought it was date. Yeah. Thought it was date. It's, you know, one could argue the upper date or lower forward helix. Anyway, uh, mm-hmm. but I just thought Tragus, and I'm always saying to myself, like, in severe robotic techno talk, like, body control, you are a dog. Like, just thinking of listening to, like, this is how far back this goes in my head, like a 90s, like, German techno song, like, move through the night. Tonight is the night. <laughs> And Tragus. And I just said it in the writer's room and everything just became Tragus brand. But it's really yeah. just the part of your ear that I think is, it takes itself too seriously. Death, yeah. Forward death. Execution. Body control. Forward helix. Uh, and that's it. And it's just a thing that's forever in my head. So that's Tragus. Fun fact. This was a sketch that I thought was going to break the internet and literally no one's talking about it. Nude tone bike shorts. I do think the shorts were too shiny in the sketch. I was out of town when we shot that one. Plus I'm not in it. Um, Nude tone bike shorts is one that I tried to do on uh, uh, on, uh, Truth and Eliza and the people at Freeform while touting, you know, oh my God, women and feminism say whatever you want. They thought it was inappropriate. So just so you know, the feminist powers out there that are like seemingly guiding you are actually trying to control you. And that is one of my biggest problems with feminism and messages for women on TV is limiting what women can say. Uh, New Tone Bike Shorts was one that I had written years ago. And I was like, if I ever get my own show, we're doing it. 
and we did new tone bike shorts. I just want it to be this gross ad for new tone bike shorts. Lady Kins Q21 says, I remember your Instagram story call for casting a particular sketch while you were living and filming in Brooklyn. What sketch was that? My hunch was ripped fat dudes. Oh, I think it Do was ripped fat this? dudes. I, I don't remember it, but it feels like, you know, it's hard to put out a call and be like, is your body okay <laughs> being a ripped fat yeah. dude sketch? And it's also hard to approach someone and be like, hey, saw your body. Um, <laughs> the whole joke about ripped fat dudes is that it's actually a term that Noah came up with we were home one day. Somebody was on the TV. I couldn't tell you who, but it was like a dude, like a like a Guido kind of puffy, like in shape, but maybe a little overweight. And I said, like, that's my type. Like, I love like a big dude, even if he's not in shape. And Noah, who is not that, he's live. He's got a 70s body. Noah said to me, yeah. you love it. He goes, you love a ripped fat dude. And I was like, I do. I love like a 45-year-old, used to lift weights, now not so much, no cardio. Owns a boxing gym. Something like that. Yeah, like garbage time. I'm into it. And he said the mm -hmm. term rip fat dude. And I was like, I'm taking that to the writer's room tomorrow. And I think yeah. David wrote the rip fat dude ones. But uh, yeah, rip fat dude. The Real Molly Price says, the top knot sketch cracked me up laughing so hard I couldn't breathe. Was this based on people you know? Uh... Top knot was because I can't wear a top knot. My hair, like you need to have such kind of, you need to have such thick hair for that knot to look stupid. I also think it's kind of like a bitchy hairdo. Like I've got a top knot. Are you pledging Alpha Tau Lambda or not? And it's like this little bobbly thing. Like we make fun of dudes for wearing these knots all the time. I just feel like you see it on like a lot of reality shows. Like that girl from Love is Blind wears top knots. Like it's just kind of an annoying mm -hmm. girl hairdo and- but it's also funny to make fun of because I can't really wear it. Uh, I just think it's funny. Like, it looks, like, weirdly medieval. It's never going to look sophisticated. If you wear one, great. I don't care. But I don't see the need for it. Like, are you hot? Put your hair up. You want your hair down? Yeah. Half bat. Why is it in a knot? And uh, I look bad with it. So I just wanted to, in true comedic form, exacerbate how bad I looked. Because <laughs> it's true. In the, the top knot <laughs> intervention, it does look like you had head surgery. Yeah. Uh, side note, the actor, this is really sad. His name was Olan Montgomery, who played the dad in Top Knot mm -hmm. Intervention, passed away from oh, no. Corona. And I found out last week. And uh, it's just really sad. He was a really nice man. I only met him that one time. He was delightful to work with. I thought he did a great job. And that was just really sad. Little moment. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, he, that whole family was very funny. They were great. Had uh, one of your favorite actresses, Emily Tarver. Yes, she is. I mean, you got some really great, like, comedic actors yeah. on this show. And Emily Lynn, who is Kate McKinnon's sister, but independent of that, you know, we booked her because she was funny. She had a great tape. She's uh, part of the core cast. She was also my sister in that, and she did a great job as well. Very yeah, funny. Yes, everybody in the, was funny. Um, she does that that Audible show. Yes. Yes. Uh, K.TT, what was your favorite skit to write and what was your favorite skit to act in? Is it the same? And if not, why? I loved doing Ellen Plevels for Rip Fat Dude. Um, it was just like acting so my- it? Yeah, acting and it was so my wheelhouse. I loved writing the Cashew Albacore ones. Uh, I did like uh, writing AA for Self-Esteem. It pretty much flowed out of me. It's very easy to be like, oh, what are the things that should be seen as positives but society dings you for? Uh, and I liked writing Beelzebubbly because everybody's been against it from day one. 
Okay. Uh, the Jaina Hop asks, what really goes on in your brain, especially when you're coming up with sketches or jokes in general? Try to paint a picture. Uh, Is there a typical way that these have come to you or are they? I always, it's funny, the way that I see sketches, I saw stand-up as sketches for a very long time. Um, and the more you do stand up, the, you know, it kind of changes. I see things as scenes and it starts off. It's, it's, it's hard to describe what you see. And that's why, you know, you have to be a good writer, uh, or painter, uh, or sculptress. Um, but, but, um, I see like it, it can start out with a feeling or a sound like the make it nice one. I just liked the idea of heavy breathing and just stillness. And it's like, how do you personify those things? How do you personify weirdness? So a sketch can come from a thought, a character, an idea, a word, a notion, a smell, a sound, uh, and just going to that. And then it just becomes, you just see it vividly as a scene. And I always see my standup as a scene. I can see Party Goblin when I'm talking about her and I can see uh, all the, um, I, I can just see the scene. I can see that nightclub I'm talking about. I can see the fight. I can see the orange cones for the what's my middle name thing. You know, you see these things so vividly. And I think that's why my standup is so textured because I'm just trying to convey as many things as possible um, through a medium that really is just about sound and words. So yeah, that's why I love sketch because you can utilize extras and you can utilize a chorus and an ensemble, not a chorus, an ensemble and costumes and it's visual Versus just stand-up, which is just uh, spoken word. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the answer. I know well, I know you wanted to hear, like, it's a pumpkin patch with rabbits and fangs. Nope. No. Shani Camille. Oh, wait, I will say question. this. My mind exists. In my mind, it is the 90s. It's the suburbs. Everything's a little uncomfortable, and everyone's kind of an idiot. That's the, the background. Okay. Shani Camille says, would you ever try to do an ASMR video? Your make it nice sketch kind of gave me the tingles, similar to when I watch an ASMR video. Thanks and love you. I mean, some people say that this podcast is an ASMR podcast because I'm always eating something. No one says that. Some I just people miss- are very mad about you eating. Oh, my misophony oh, that I didn't have until like a day ago. Look, if it's a real thing, it's a real thing. Don't at me. But um, it is a real thing. All right, take it easy. But you can just not listen. You can just not listen. Um, as I like clean my tooth. Uh, what I would love in a season two, I was actually thinking about the make it nice lady and the ways that I would exacerbate all of that tension with breathing. I think there's a lot more breathing and a lot more mouth adjusting. Mm-hmm. Oh, so I wouldn't do an ASMR video because that's very bandwagony, uh, and yeah. that's just not my world. But I would increase the weirdness of make it nice lady in season two. Yeah. And now, you know who else says make it nice? Who? Dorinda Medley. I did not know that, and uh, I barely know I who know that you is. Didn't. I barely know who I that know is. You had no idea. And now it's time for Top of the Cob. Kick it! It's the Top of the Cob. We're doing it right every day. You just take a bite. Top of the Cob. My bottom of the Cob is people who choose to be ignorant to other people's plights in society. At my bottom of the cob is people who think, oh, someone else will do it. Now, in some cases, someone else has to do it. Like, I can't save all these COVID-19 people. I'm not a doctor. You know, I can raise money and I can do my part. You don't have to do everything, but you can do something. I have a neighbor who I think comes from a lot of money and is not used to participating in societal normal things. Um, Right. And... They don't break down their boxes. When you recycle cardboard boxes, you have to break them down so that they're flat 
Emily knows this because she does it for me, and put it <laughs> in the recycling. They just throw whole boxes, which is dumb because your box is filled with air, so you're just taking up space. Whole box yeah. in their recycling. They'll use our recycling bin, and then they just leave things on the floor. On the floor, meaning mm-hmm. the ground uh, in public, on a street that we've all agreed to live in and maintain. So there's just boxes. And I saw that they did this the first time. So I very kind, like nicely, I was like, hey guys, just letting you know, you know, if you break your boxes down, you can fit them all in, but you can't use our bin. We need that for our recycling. And he he was like, hold on one second. I didn't do it. And he calls his maid outside and didn't yell at her, but was like, yeah, you need to do this. And she was like, oh, and she's like, she didn't speak a ton of English. And it's like, look, is that her job for sure? But like, you need to show her, like you clearly didn't know, you both didn't know. And also, like, you're stronger than her. Maybe break down some of those boxes. Also, maybe right. you sh- shouldn't have a maid during corona? Yeah, and maybe don't have that conversation in front of you. Like, they don't, he didn't need to call her out. He could have just taken that information yes. in and been like, okay, and then gone and been like, hey, FYI. And he's, like, a nice enough guy, but, like, he was trying to show me, like, it wasn't me. It's like, but you also don't know because I see right. all of the Postmate things discarded all over the ground all the time, and I'm pretty sure it's not your yeah. maid. Quick squeak this cookie! Anyways, I'm not perfect. I definitely have people that do things for me, but you're agreeing to live, whether your neighborhood is even nice or not, like do your part of maintaining your, it's like when when you have that one house that has like the overgrown lawn and it makes the whole neighborhood look shitty. Like do your part so that we all can do this together. Mm -hmm. Don't, and I thought about writing a letter like fake from the, um, garbage lady because now during all this we're all so linked everyone's thanking the grocery store workers and the garbage lady you know and every time I see the woman that collects our garbage I say hey thanks so much for being here I thought about making her cookies but I don't think she'll take them but I thought about writing a fake letter from her and putting it on his door being like I'm not going to take your boxes unless you break them down listen to your neighbor not going to I gotta get her I gotta get involved I gotta get involved I know you do just Uh, get involved by peering out I've found the coronavirus is giving me like big hall monitor energy and I just peer out my window wanting to tattle on people. Big hall monitor energy is so, that's who you are. You're big hall monitor energy. And it's really like coming out, like I hear people outside and I go to my window like, is that too many people? What are they doing? Yes. You, you are, you're like the principal gave me a sash. Absolute power. Absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Okay. That's my bottom of the cob. I want to tattle. What's your bottom of the cob? My bottom of the cob is that my cat had to go to the vet. She had a bloody face that turned out to just be a sore. But when your baby walks up to you with a bloody face, it is alarming. But uh, she's she's okay. Can I say one thing about bloody face? Your ba- yeah. your cat's fine. Um, you're like, turns out it was marinara. Everyone enjoy the no. sketty. Um, I don't like marinara. I got whatever. I got verified. It's like you're just. I don't know what you are. Um, <laughs> I was like, you're not even American. You're just like a Russian sleeper cell alien, like program with like the worst pop culture. Anyway. Me and Smokey. You and Smokey. Um, I was very, oh, you want your cookie? I was verified on Spotify. Mm-hmm, no big deal. And so I put together a playlist of uh, songs for the official Eliza Schlesinger sketch show. Uh, a song, And it's just like a playlist of like songs that we were listening to, songs the writers were listening to, like just a way to make a fun playlist. And I was yeah. talking to Noah and I was like, what's a song? Like, what was I listening to during the summer of last year? And he only knows pop culture music because of things that I say and ways that I bastardize the song. So this song is a lot older, but there's that Cardi B's first song where she's like, these is red bottoms, these are bloody shoes. 
And I said, we think bloody shoes is funny. So in our house for years, it was always like, bloody shoe. And bloody shoe very quickly became bloody hoof. It's a bloody hoof. And then it went from a rap song to like a scary, uh, like nightmarish ghost story. It's a bloody hoof. And so we're sitting there last night. I was like, what were some songs I was listening to last summer? And he just looks at me, he goes, bloody hoof? <laughs> like the tale of bloody hoof. And I thought that was funny. It's a oh. bloody hoof. I almost fell off my chair. Okay. Uh, my top of the cob is something non-quarantine related, despite the fact that I just ate it. Uh, tortilla soup. Chicken tortilla soup. I am a connoisseur. If it's on a menu, I'm getting it. A lot of people, mm-hmm. you know, guacamole, like that's their thing, which I think is, it's annoying. Uh, it's like, mm-hmm. it's nature's butter is an avocado. And everyone has the right like it. Tortilla soup, which you typically see on a Mexican menu, but, you know, a lot of restaurants have it just in general. I always get it. I love chicken tortilla soup. I love the chips and the cheese and the beans. There's so many different ways to make it. I love popcorn and chicken tortilla soup. Always getting it. Mm -hmm. Check it. Okay. Uh, My top of the cob is that even though I was scared for Gracie and her bloody chin, I have a vet. I have a vet that I adore who is very kind to me, very understanding, and I was able to get in to see her within an hour of noticing what had happened, and they were just so cool, and it's hard for everyone right now with corona, and they had to do the thing and talk to me on the phone while I sat in my car. But, like— But they were very nice. Does anyone have a vet that has, like, a shitty bedside manner? Like, if you're working with small animals, you're probably, like, a kind person. Some— care more than others like some are like good with animals but bad with people and my vet is my vet is very has been with Gracie through a few different weird health things has had to report to the last couple manufacturers so like the last couple weeks because I feel like you take Gracie a lot I haven't taken her in a while but but she has had reactions to medication that are so strange that they've had to be reported to the manufacturers of the medication um, let me say this. So we tolerate shitty bedside manner in physicians way more than we tolerate it in vets. Like I went to go see a specialist about my jaw and she was not cool. She was like, you'll have arthritis in your jaw. It's probably going to fall off. You'll never talk again. And like, if your vet was like that, you'd be like, get your hands off my angel. I'm, I'm yeah. yelping you into oblivion. For sure. And you know what though? I... I have left good Yelp reviews for my vet, but if you go to any Yelp page for a vet, it's tough stuff. Tough stuff. I just showed her tempo. All right, you guys, stay kind, stay safe, stay nice to each other. This pod, we're going to keep doing it. I almost said Tasty Times Call for Tasty Measures. That's when I realized that's the other show that I do to keep us all afloat. We love you, and we'll probably do Do another episode about uh, the Eliza Schlesinger sketch show. Keep watching it. Let's get that season two, baby. Tell Tell the people your other show. Oh, and you can also, yeah, check out every day at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, Noah and I do Don't Panic Pantry, a show that we started at the onset of the corona outbreak. We do it every day to remind you to stay calm, cook with what you have. Noah posts his recipes on his Instagram page at Galuten, G-A-L-U-T-E-N. These are simple recipes. They're fun. And even if you don't like the food or aren't able to make it, you can cook along with us. We're giving you somewhere to be every day at 5 It's soothing, it's Mm -hmm. calming, it's fun. And take a picture of the food you make and we will post it on our Instagrams. So don't panic pantry at five and please watch the Eliza Schlesinger sketch show. Let's get a season two, baby.
BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.